You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 136, all about automation for agencies. And I am speaking with Olivia Look. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. I think this is going to be a very easy uh, podcast interview and chat because, I mean, <laughs> anyone that's been listening to this for any amount of time knows I'm an f- automation nerd as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds like you are as well. This is going to be an easy chat. Yes, yes, I'm really excited. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, like how you got into specifically automation and then automation for agencies. Sure. So um, I kind of started out my whole career as a developer. So I was working on automating in a very manual sense, I think. Um, and then I started freelancing and I have been doing that for seven years or so, working mostly with agencies. So development agencies, marketing agencies, sort of things in between that. And I noticed the no code stuff happening, which is all really exciting. And right. I had always kind of been a little bit I guess jealous. So I learned how to code in college and I learned like the basic basics, like pure PHP in HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And I got out and I didn't know what React was. I didn't know about Laravel. I didn't know about any of that. And I felt like I had been shorted kind of this, <laughs> this easier type programming. And then I started learning all of that because I felt like I was behind and then boom, a bunch of no code tools show up all around me. And I was like, well, I better figure this out now. So um, that's how that went. And then I've always been interested in sort of helping the businesses that I work with and small businesses, especially, and the potential in agencies, I think is just massive. And as a freelancer, I saw firsthand how messy things can get in agencies Hundred percent. It's it's so funny you mentioned that. Like, uh, what you study ends up being like not the most optimal code. I remember in university, and I mean, I, when was I there? Like two thousand and six ish. I was learning um, assembly language. Do you know what assembly language is? Yeah. Yeah. It's like literally moving <laughs> bits around. It's saying like move the ones and zeros from the well these eight ones and zeros over to those eight ones and zeros like it's ridiculous and like and then add those two numbers together and then put the result in these 16 zeros like it's so ridiculous <laughs> and obviously i've never ever used that again so 100 percent sympathize uh there <laughs> <laughs> it's killer to get out and see all these amazing tools and you're like they were here the whole time yeah like seriously <laughs> yeah so no codes interesting like i it's quite funny because i am a little bit uh i don't know what the word is i hesitant on uh, like i don't know i I kind of laugh at the whole no code thing because it's become a buzzword yeah i I saw the other day a standard forms tool uh you know just like a you know something equivalent to like i don't know type form you know that kind of tool Um, i don't want to name them here but like i heard an an ad and they're like oh the no code forms tool and it was like (laughs) Wait, so does that mean that every single SaaS product ever is no-code now? Okay, cool. Content Snare's a no-code platform. Woohoo! Like, that's like lit. Just, you can't just call a SaaS product a no-code tool. <laughs> so, in your mind, what does a no-code tool mean? Um, I think specifically, in, from my perspective, it's about being able to build. And particularly on the app side or maybe the API side of it, because I'm obsessed with Zapier right now. And I call it a no-code tool because it does sort of in a way 
it's sort of about letting people who would consider themselves non-technical or even people who would be intimidated by that kind of thing mm. do things visually and do these technical tasks without necessarily having to know how to code. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I think that's a big differentiator is being able to build. Like obviously in a lot of SaaS products, like you know, in context say you can build a form, but I'm still not going to call it no to no code, right? And we might have workflows and stuff in there one day, but to me that's like a no code tool is almost like a blank canvas where you like Airtable. That's a great example if, if people listening to this haven't heard of it. It's it's essentially like Google Sheets where on steroids where you can link a column to something else. So like, you know, classic like developer example is like you can have a, a spreadsheet about different cars and a different spreadsheet that is like the different engines that might be in a different car. And then you say, so this car has an engine and then that'll link to the other spreadsheet of all the engines. And then the engine has like components. So there might be a component sheet and you can like click through from car to engine to component, you know, and, and obviously in a, you know, probably more relevant examples, like a, a, in a business sense is kind of like project has a client has contacts um, and you can sort of click through all of these with that. Like if you're trying to do that with a spreadsheet, it's such a pain in the ass. Um, so like I, I, Airtable is a great no code tool. We use it for our like mm-hmm. um, content marketing pretty much. So, you know, I have things set up where it says uh, when a writer marks something is ready for review, you know, it comes into a special Kanban view just for me, for me to review it um, and also puts a message in Slack to say, hey, something's ready for review. And same deal when, when I approve it, it pushes that to the writer and says, hey, you, you can publish this now or to, to our VA who publishes it. So that's kind of where I see no code, um, you know, like Zapier, Airtable, um, and obviously Integramat. I'm becoming a lot more partial to Integramat, even though I'm technically a Zapier expert and I teach people Zapier. That's I literally <laughs> have a course on this. Um but Integramat is like super powerful. It's just not where I recommend people start because it's, uh, I call it low code because you almost have to know how to code. It's so complicated. Have I you think used that's it? fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit. And I think it's not quite, it's still got the visual aspects and everything yeah. there, but Zapier, I feel like lays everything out like step one, step two, step three, and it's very easy. Mm. Whereas Integramat, you've got this like big giant flow, depending on what you build. Um, But the price point is a lot more attractive. So there is that if you can figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And if anyone would like to sign up for Integramat, I will drop a link uh, in the show notes at agencyhighway.com slash 136. Uh, that will get you one month free on the cheapest plan. But honestly, their their, um, free plan is pretty generous uh, as well. So highly Mm -hmm. recommend it. So what other tools are you loving? Before we get into like specifics, um, because I I just love talking about tools. So (laughs) what tools are you using a lot right now, and especially with agencies that you work with? Mm -hmm. So I end up using a lot of different tools when I work with different agencies. They're all using something a little bit different, but I think everyone has a project management platform of some sort. And if you don't, you should, but things like Asana and Trello or um, ClickUp, I started using most recently, I think is really cool. Um, I think my favorite is still Asana in terms of project management platforms and things you can get done. Although ClickUp has a lot of built-in automation type things that you can do as well, which I think are really powerful. And then otherwise, you know, I'm using Zapier to connect the tools that everyone's already using. So it's their CRMs and their project management platforms and things like that, even Slack. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of what we have to do when we're automating for people, right? Is to use whatever tools they're using. And it's, it's quite, it's actually quite annoying as a, you know, when you're trying to quote someone, cause it's like, I'm using these tools and I want to plug them together. It's like, well, I can kind of create a quote for that. However, I've not used that app before because it's some random obscure one. And then you dig into it and it turns out their API is just awful. You know, like one thing I wouldn't have expected is that uh, HubSpot, API is super unreliable, at least when I used to, when I've used it with clients before, I think they've updated the Zapier integration since, but it would disconnect like every three or four days. I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is HubSpot. It's like a, you know, and you, you start learning a lot more about these products that have really big names, you know, like they might have neglected their API, even though, 
for everything else, they're really like big brand and they're really good. Like, cause active campaign is kind of the same. Like I've, I've had, you know, I get errors on zaps. Well, it's, actually, it's not that regular anymore. It goes through phases where like it just, the API is struggling or whatever. But luckily, um, you know, things like active campaign, uh, sorry, Zapier and Integromat will retry um, those, those things. Mm-hmm. And shoot you that email when they screw up too, so you can go and see what happened. And yeah. Hopefully, it's a simple disconnect. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so so let's talk about some specific uh, things that you automate. What kind of processes you automate? Because I know, like, there's a few things on my list to talk about here today. And I mean, I, like, I've I speak a lot about onboarding automation, obviously with content snares, big part of what we do and, you know, with, with proposals and like invoices. So I think we should cover that a little bit um, first because I, I can redirect people to a video of mine as well if they want to learn more about that. I am also, because I know you talk about service fulfillment automation, which to me is mind blowing because that's like the one thing that I don't know how to automate. So mm-hmm. let's start on the onboarding. What, what are some of the, <laughs> the uh, main processes you automate with agencies? Mm-hmm. So for client onboarding, I think, um, like you mentioned earlier, um, sometimes the quoting process and the proposal process can be really killer. So automating things like that with you know templates and frameworks. It doesn't all have to be these if this, then that type things. They can be these sort of non-technical process simplifiers. So there's tons of proposal apps out there. And I think a lot of them are really great. And the sort of plug and play or just you know check a couple of boxes, like this client wants this, this, and this. Mm. Um, but once you're past that and sort of into onboarding, um, it's things like, making sure data gets from, you know, you might have your leads all in one CRM, but then once it's an actual client, you need them in your project management platform. So making sure that data gets over properly or putting together a nice little welcome kit for a client where here's, you know, all of your information, everything you would need to contact me. Here's a little background on who you'll be working with, stuff like that. And then things like uh, client portals. We don't want to build those out. Mm-hmm. custom every single time for every client. Maybe you do. I don't. So <laughs> that kind of thing, again, either templated or, you know, you can really put something together where you just input a little bit of information into a form or something, click a button, and then boom, client portal is put together and an email gets sent off to the client with their little welcome mm-hmm. kit. Well, two things I kind of want to dig into there. They're related actually, because you, you said something about, you know, automation doesn't have to be uh, like if this, then that, and that is huge, right? A lot of people kind of think like that where, you know, a type of automation to me is just, yeah, like you said, process simplifies yeah, simplification. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, saying, having a process uh, that initial clients go through like a questionnaire that acts as a filtration uh, of bad clients, you know, like that kind of thing, you know, there's no point automating things when you're working with bad clients because the bad client's going to ruin like a whole month or several. So, you know, if you've got re- just a form up front that asks some questions and, or like a, you know, a framework for the initial call that you go through that will highlight the people you shouldn't be working with, like that's, you know, it's, to me, it's more about productivity than it is automation. And it's like you, that's a really big productivity win if you can shut down bad clients and, and say no before, before you even get there. And then things like mm-hmm. the proposal. Yeah. Like it's pretty hard to come up with a catch all process for every project you're going to do where someone ticks these five boxes and they get a quote, um, you know, specifically on that. But you, like you said, you can create templates that have most of the different things you can do. You, you've got a pricing list. You know, like you, you create your own list. It's like if someone wants uh, e-commerce, um, this is how much, you know, we charge for a basic e-commerce setup. And then if they have like, you know, a thousand products, this is what it would cost, uh, how many payment gateways. Like you can have building blocks to create proposals, right? That's, I love that kind of system where it's not necessarily fully automated, but it helps you get through. Now, the other thing you said, um, which is kicking off automations with forms. I think a lot of people don't consider this because you can you can fire off lots of things with one form right so can you give us some mm-hmm. examples of workflows with that 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of the way that we're all similar with the contact form on the website. And somebody submits that and a marketing process starts or a sales process starts, depending on what kind of uh, customer you're looking at. But basically, you could do the same thing on the internal side and remove a lot of the sort of back and forth and very time consuming communication between just like email or Slack. So in terms of like cross team requests, you can say, you know, maybe marketing needs a new design, needs a new, uh, you know, graphic for uh, a new ad. So they fill out a particular form. All the details that any given designer would need are right there in the form. The marketing team fills that out, sends it. Then you can kick off in your project management platform a new task. You can assign the right person. You can assign a deadline. And then once that task is completed, notify the original sender. And then if all the details are accounted for in that form, you take care of, you know, possibly 90 to 100% of the back and forth email communication or wherever mm. you happen to be trying to communicate back and forth. Yeah. So that um, kind of thing. Yeah, perfect. Like uh, internal forms are way underutilized, I think, because most people think like, oh, automation, it's like, oh, contact form. When someone contacts us, what am I going to do with their information? I'm going to put into my CRM, whatever. But yeah, you can use forms internally. I think this is uh, very overlooked uh, and, and quite powerful. Like even if you wanted to add a new client, right? Like you mentioned before, yeah. you probably want to put a new client in several systems. So it's going to be your invoicing. Like I use Xero, uh, you know, our bookkeeping products. We've got CRM, we've got uh, the chat app is separate than the CRM, you know, there's the billing platform. There's like lots of different places where the person has to be added. Uh, and so you can create a form that you just enter at once, right? This is the classic double handling problem of automation. And so you could just have a new client form internally uh, that pushes that information through Zapier or whatever uh, into all the places it needs to go. So you just got to do it once. It reduces the risk of, you know, screwing the data up as you paste it somewhere else. Yes. You know, so just a really simple example of how an internal form can be used. I, I love that you brought that mm -hmm. up. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really cool and underutilized, like you said, just not even a thought. Hmm. Or you'll end up replacing it or not replacing it, but instead of doing something like that and automating it with maybe the tools that you already have or free stuff like Google Forms, you end up buying a whole separate app, integrating a whole nother SaaS product into your tech stack for a one-off feature. And uh, that's killer. <laughs> so what uh, what Forms tools do you find yourself using the most? This um, kind of thing? I love the way Typeform looks. I think the user experience of Typeform is just unmatched anywhere else. Um, but when we're just trying to get something done quick and dirty, like it's an internal form, nobody has to see this. It's mm. Google Forms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's um, Google Forms is kind of the go-to because it's free, right? Or at least like, you exactly. know, everyone's got G Suite. It's pretty easy to set up. Um, I too like the UI of Typeform, it's depending on how long uh, the forms are. I find they kind of struggle. What, what really annoys me that I can't scroll properly. That's the one thing with Typeform that drives me nuts. So for longer yeah. forms, like, but which it doesn't matter if you are entering everything one thing at a time and it's fine. But um, we actually modeled our, well, a designer modeled our initial uh, user interface for Content Snare on Typeform, right? Because it is, it's like, for a client, it's really easy. It's one entering one thing at a time. It's quite simple. Um, however, uh, we've just received a new design uh, that, because we've been sort of looking at different options for a while, uh, because, it, you know, for someone that wants to scroll through a form and, and like work on different pieces here and there, um, for those not familiar with Content Snare, it, you know, it's more of a collaborative kind of thing where you, you might, you don't, fill out everything in one go you like the client might go through and submit one or two items within that form um but yeah so we're, we're i've just received a new design that i think is freaking amazing that i haven't seen on any other forms tool and i really really love it um and i've sent it out to a few of our people and the feedback's been amazing so far so watch this space we might have a, another better ui for forms <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Can't wait to see it. <laughs> yeah. I like UX is crazy when, when I don't know how people do it, to be honest. It's like when people create like new designs for how users interact with things. I'm just like, I, this is a, this is like witchery to me. 
It's very thoughtful and very, very intentional. Every little thing. And I feel like when you think about, you know, using any given app, you're like, oh yeah, somebody makes all these decisions about whatever. But when you get into it, it really, really is somebody thinking Mm. about the best possible experience you can have. Yeah. And I think it's really clear when uh, apps do that because a lot of apps don't, you know, like I'm thinking of a a certain project management app that I use. I'm just going to say it. Like I used to use ClickUp (laughs) as uh, a post, like when I wanted a UI idea or UX idea, I'd go to ClickUp. But then what happened is they released too much too fast and it all kind of became a mush and uh, there's stuff everywhere now. And you know, it, so I just find, because you're talking about like how intentional it is. And it makes me think like when I try to come up with ideas for our UX, I literally go to the gym or do something that's going to take me like an hour with just one problem that I want to solve. It's like, okay, how are we going to, what's the best way to show the new discussions feature to clients? Right. And I'll just go to the gym or go for a walk and like, think about just that thing. And take notes and come home and I'll have like a sketch <laughs> like in my nice. mind. Like, yeah, it's so hundred percent. Um, it's, it's really important. And I think that's something you need to take into account when you are bringing in apps for your team, right? All these like automation tools. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. like, you, you can't, I, I saw a post the other day about, um, you know, this, someone's team was resistant to implementing ClickUp. They'd like done all this stuff and their team just didn't want to use it. So you know, that's a hurdle you're going to have to get over. So UX is mm-hmm. really important there. Mm-hmm. Like- I love that you described ClickUp as mush because I think that's the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> I was also kind of resistant to it when one of my clients started using it. Mm. Um, but one of his uh, former teammates started working at ClickUp and gave him this whole demo and it looked great and all that. And it does, it's really cool once you're in it. But looking at it at first, mush is exactly <laughs> what I would use to describe it. Yeah, I don't know. I was really hopeful with it, but it kind of, um, they had this culture, not like, I don't know, the expectation to create features like every week and they were pushing out new features every week. And I don't think you can really keep up that kind of cadence without having problems come on you know like you need time to fix Mm -hmm. things and adapt things and they do they do but it's like i I don't think they're doing that anymore which is good they're like stepping back and actually fixing problems but yeah anyway that's that's enough so (laughs) enough on them (laughs) um so we've spoken about like client onboarding so you know um some of the things i think about yeah that initial contact form and then creating a proposal and 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 then collecting information obviously uh i'm going to recommend content snare but feel yes. free how, <laughs> how what other systems do have you worked with for people to get information from clients and then you also mentioned a client portal so how mm-hmm. what kind of things are going into the portal how's that working really interested in that do you manage wordpress sites for your clients if so you should probably check out wp remote it's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind BlogVault and Melcare. Now, BlogVault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to wpremote.com slash highway. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, so client portals are really just a little hub, like a one-stop shop for your clients to find everything they could possibly need. So if you imagine, you know, everything that a client has emailed you to ask a question about before um, that maybe you've answered previously or not, instead of sending that email, they could go and find that information in their portal. So that's contact information. That's a copy of their contract. That's you know, background information about your company, that's their account manager's contact information. Not that they shouldn't be emailing that person right off the bat, but you know, (laughs) um, how it goes with clients sometimes. 
Um, and then any important documents that they have. And I think some people, some agencies will even use it sort of as a, uh, a protection method in a way, because you can put all of the deliverables link to all of those in a portal. And if maybe a client uh, ghosts you or ends up missing multiple payments, you can revoke access to that portal. And then the deliverables that you have provided, unless they've saved them on their own, which of course is possible, Mm. you then sort of get them to hold up their end of the bargain as well. So it protects you a bit too. I like that idea. So what kind of tools, uh, like how do you see client portals being created or how have you set some up? But yeah, let's talk tools. Yes. Uh, So Notion is my absolute favorite Oh, by a long shot. So I've seen multiple people who create, um, you know, they call them OSs, but a template, a Notion template, basically. So I have a couple that are on my radar right now. That's just kind of depends on what kind of visual you're looking at. Cause I can't design for shit. So <laughs> I need somebody else to do all of that. Um, and every month I thank God for the designers who can take my like ugly, just I draw it up on a piece of paper and take a picture. And I'm like, can you turn this into something pretty? And they do. And it's, it's great that those people (laughs) exist because it's not me. Um, But yeah, so people have a bunch of different templates in Notion and I've built my own uh, business hub type thing for my agency that doesn't look that great, but it has everything that needs to be there. So new team members come on and all the information they need is there. And that's kind of similar. They're not a client, but it's the same type of thing, like a business hub or like an intranet that mm-hmm. uh, bigger companies will have. So Notion is my number one tool though. I like that because then it's kind of, there's a, um, oh God, I can't English this morning. Like I <laughs> want to say that it's common to both your team and uh, your client. Mm-hmm. So like if you go and update something, you put a new deliverable in the client portal, like your team can see it and they can see it. So I kind of like that idea, especially because mm-hmm. I, I, I like the idea of Notion for an intranet as well. That's kind of where we're moving to. I'm also playing around with Coda. I really like Coda. Coda. I just don't want to move all my stuff over there. So that's kind of, it, it's it's quite funny. Like a lot of people in the Coda ecosystem almost like turn their nose up at Notion. It's become a little bit like snobby. It's like, <laughs> Have you ever heard of like PC Master Race? It's like a thing. On yes. Yeah, right? So for people listening, that's like, you know, people who game on PCs are like, Ugh, console gamers. Ugh. That's essentially the gist of it. Um, it's like, I always feel it's like the same thing. It's like Coda Master Race versus other <laughs> tools like Notion. Uh, oh, anyway. the social media guys seem so friendly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if anyone does want to check out Coda, well, uh, these will all be linked up in the show notes at agencyhighway.com slash 136. But Coda is C-O-D-A, and I believe that's .io, right? Um, oh, not sure. It is, yeah. They have a really funny website header. It's definitely worth checking out. Uh, go to coda.io. I love it. It's uh, It says, enough of this sheet, and it's a lady, like, slamming a spreadsheet against her face. It's quite funny. well done um anyway (laughs) uh we'll link those up but yeah okay so is that's your favorite what other tools do you see getting used because i know there's there's client-portal.io um who has been i think laura elizabeth she's been a guest on this podcast before or something like i've definitely interviewed her um i know a lot of people use her product which is basically a way to create portals on wordpress um Mm. So I like, cause I'm interested if, do, if you know any tools where like this can be semi-automated, right? Cause I imagine the notion one is fairly manual. No, it's a- it is. I think they're getting there. Um, and there are automation features within notion that I haven't um, sort of gone into too deeply yet, but it's on my list, my, my ever growing list of apps and things mm. that I want to try with them. Um, so I've seen stuff as basic as like a Google doc. That's just a, Hey, right here kind of thing. Um, Cause really all you need is just the information, just the links to the important stuff. And then if you can personalize it, I think it's a lot better. So um, 
again, like your specific employee contract or your copy of the NDA, things like that mm. are really useful to have just a click away. But um, otherwise, I see I use Notion for all of my personal sort of task management as well. So right. I'm really, really stuck on Notion <laughs> right now. Yeah, I don't see myself enough. going anywhere either. Well, they recently released, uh, you know, a Zapier integration and an API. So I can, yes. you know, I haven't played around with it too much yet, but I can see it being possible now to have like a master list of all client documents or a master list of all invoices, for example. So you'd like, you know, every time an invoice is raised in X tool, whatever you're using for invoices, you could push it into a list in um, Notion and have the client there. And then from what I understand, you could embed a view of invoices filtered by the certain client for that client's portal, right? So you've got client ABC, you could put a view and say, show all the invoices here for client ABC. And that way, every time there's an invoice and you push them into your global invoice list, that view would automatically update across all of your clients. I don't, I haven't mm -hmm. actually done this but I believe that is what would be possible. The way I understand how Notion views work and um, and how the API would work, that should be possible now. So that'd be really cool mm -hmm. to be able to push in like, you know, any document you could, you could have like every document you receive from a client, you could forward it through Zapier or something and have Zapier pick up those documents and push them all into the, uh, into your Notion based on the client's email address mm -hmm. and then have them automatically show up in everyone's uh, portal. So that's just me talking shit. Um, have you done anything <laughs> like that yet? Um, nothing crazy. No. So um, they just this week updated and introduced like synced blocks. So a block is like one tiny piece of something in Notion that's sort of clickable and draggable and what have you. Um, and so you can have synced blocks. So anytime you update something in one block, if you've got that block copied in other pages, um, it will update over there as well. So kind of similar to what you're talking about. Um, but you mentioned Airtable earlier and the sheets in Notion, I feel are extremely similar to Airtable in that there's lots of like, you know, pretty tags and different types of things you can put in the columns. Mm. And then the automation features in Notion let you kind of do what you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, I like that that block is kind of cool because that could be, for example, the, the thing my mind went to straight away was like our contact information, which could be a block that you've got in all your client portals. And then so if you need to change a phone number or add an email or something, you would just add that to the block and then bam, it's in all the portals. Yes. Um, yeah. So I know another um, thing, system that people use for portals, if anyone wants to investigate, if anyone's thinking about going down this road, um, using advanced custom fields on WordPress to sort of lay out a portal um, and create pages for each client. So that's another option um, if you're technical enough to do that. Um, okay, so what's next in the process? I think um, we kind of jumped over information collection. Uh, I how look, do you use Typeform? Is that what you use with with people to get information from their clients? Uh, yeah, for the most part, or I'll build it just directly into the website, kind of yeah. pull information that way. So a lot of different WordPress plugins. Um, I use Squarespace a lot, and then Webflow as well. Um, pretty much any form tool you can make. If you can get the person to fill out the form, mm. which is tricky, then most forms uh, will go straight into Zapier and Zapier will send it along wherever they need to be. But yes. you can either, you know, even if they don't want to fill out the forms themselves or like you keep constantly reminding them, mm -hmm. um, you can just hop on a phone call and fill out the form yourself. And that's fine. That's and it, it still helps the conversation flow. Yeah. We, we need to get you on the content snare for sure then because that you literally just described the problem that we solve. Uh, <laughs> constantly, chasing, <laughs> constantly chasing people to fill out forms. That's literally why content mm. snare exists because um, people <laughs> use it for like initial onboarding questionnaires or gathering content or, I mean, now we've even got like lawyers and accountants using it to collect documents from their clients awesome. like at the end of the year and whatever. It's crazy. But um, Damn it. What was the last thing you said? Uh, oh yeah. Getting on the call. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Like I know obviously not automation, but uh, 
you know, sometimes people don't work that well unless you call them. You know, some people need to be on the phone. Uh, <laughs> like you need to get on like an hour call, or maybe longer and literally go through every question and, and get answers. A lot of people do that. Like um, we've, we've got clients with Content Snare who have an initial call. They fill out as much of what they can on behalf of the client in Content Snare. Like they actually create the form, publish it, um, and then fill out everything they can and then leave it to the client to sort of finish off. Like there might be a last few questions or they might just have to approve it or whatever. So yeah, um, 100% on board with the call. So I think that's most of the process now. We've talked about sort of that initial contact and then uh, like collecting information, proposals, and the client portal. Now, mm. let's talk about service delivery because you've you mentioned that when we were speaking earlier offline. Now, what kind of automations have you seen in service delivery? So... It really comes down to the architecture in these sort of cases. So when we're talking about service fulfillment, we can automate a lot of different stuff in terms of the the non-technical automation. So we're looking at like templates. So somebody make a document somewhere that has all of the individual building blocks that another person needs to make sure everything gets done and frameworks, which are all a part of your agency's core competency. But, you know, how does somebody think through this specific problem so that everything is accounted for in the solution and that kind of thing? And then it's all kinds of little things within your project management system. So let's say somebody, you know, changes a a status on a task to blocked. Can we automatically assign that to you so that whoever you know, is overseeing everything who's going to be the most capable of removing whatever that block is, Mm -hmm. can get in there and fix it. And they're automatically assigned to something. Little things like that. And then, and this is the part where I think it takes a lot of mindset and architecture shifting. I'm really not a fan of building out custom one-off contracts and proposals for every single client. Mm -hmm. If you can move away from doing that, you can standardize a ton of your processes and a ton of your fulfillment, but um, it's as much of a struggle to convince people to do that as it is to get newer business owners to like niche down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of like productizing in a way, right? Like in a a way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I get that. I know some people, there's always going to be projects that can't be standardized. I get that. Um, but mm-hmm. for a lot of people, you know, they often can be in in some way, shape or form. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you can, you know, start stripping out different services that need lots of customization and just stick with the simpler stuff. Um, I like mm-hmm. what you spoke about there with the project management, like small things. That's like... Uh, when a task got assigned, set to blocked. You know, I've seen things set up where if a task is in a certain status for a certain amount of time, like so, because someone might not set it to blocked, especially if they know it's going to notify you. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, you know, but you could have things that uh, you say, if something's in a certain status for too long, then notify you or automatically set it to blocked. Mm-hmm. Um, one that was always really, really important for me, uh, back, you know, when I was looking for a project management system in like 2014, so things have changed a lot then. I think they all do this now, but, um, at the time teamwork was the only one that I could find that really did it, that would notify the next task assignee when the previous task was done. So like you could say, like, obviously you don't want to develop the website until the design's done. But so, so just having a system where it's like, as soon as design is marked as completed, like it sends the notification to all the relevant people that are going to be uh, in the development phase to get started. So that was huge. Right. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, also like dashboards for each person, like I've heard, you know, that can be a big resistance point for for uh, team members is if they, if they have to go to multiple places to work out what tasks they've got to work on. But if you can bring it all together in like one little dashboard for them. Have you worked in that kind of space much? 
Not much on that side. No, but that is really interesting. And I know like Asana has a little dashboard for you, but what if your you know design team uses one app and your development team uses another app? Then yeah, how do Which we get is, them together? Yeah, that's that's always going to be hard because I know like some people might use something like Jira for like hardcore software development. You know, we used to do that exactly what you were talking about, where we had a normal project management system uh, for basically everything else, uh, and then Jira for the software development because we wanted that like. Um, tight integration with source code control and whatever, which is pretty serious, right? Yeah, that that's, I mean, hard to manage. That really was just a manual process, which isn't that much of a big deal when you're talking big projects. You know, if you're talking mid five-figure projects, then it's not a big deal to set up, you know, a new project. But you mentioned it before and having templates, you know, like if you've got a, mm-hmm. a project template that you can just duplicate it's got all the stages for each um you know each feature we would move through certain stages like it would be um you know it gets peer reviewed like once it's complete it gets peer reviewed and that will automatic code quality checks then peer reviewed then it's like deployed and whatever and so all of that you don't need to set up every time because you're using templates i think um you know templates are a great automation slash productivity thing across the board you know even emails i use text expander yes. to to um, pre-populate emails all the time, right? Like after this podcast, I'm going to send you an email that tells you how to send me <laughs> your side of the audio. It's going to, uh, you know, say where we should connect, what social media. It's like, I've got a whole bunch of stuff in it. It's going to take me like five seconds to put it in the thing. And then I just customize it, delete the bits that don't matter. And, and now you've got that email, right? So mm-hmm. emails, massive templates for everything. Basically, that's what I want to say. Yes, yes. <laughs> the text expanders, the canned emails, all of it. Yes. Mm. Entire sites, you know, like you can start a WordPress build with everything ready to go and you just duplicate the site, you know, with all the plugins and whatever theme you use. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, the one click install now. Yes. Well, you see, it's even past that now. Like you can, when we were, I don't know, a lot of people listening probably already do this, but you know, like they've, you create a website, install all the plugins that you use on pretty much every client site, install like your base theme, like, you know, generate press or something. And then instead of installing on a new site, you literally just duplicate it. Like a lot of um, hosts now, especially Cloudways, you can just hit like one button and it'll duplicate that entire website with everything ready to go. And then you just have like a process to change the website name and whatever. And then you start on the, on the, you know, custom development for that, that site. But it saves a hell of a lot of time rather than trying to install everything and set everything up each time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any other notes on like service delivery automation? Um, I think it's really about the mindset. Like it can sometimes take some real major shifts and even the way you do business. Um, like the core fundamentals of what you're offering and how you're fulfilling your services. But, yeah, you know, agencies have a bad reputation for being difficult to work with and being difficult to own and run. Um, and I don't think it has to be that way. And I think you can do a lot with automation and productivity and process simplifiers mm-hmm. um, that can really make a huge difference for you and your whole team. Yeah, I I tend to agree that with on the process to the reside, I think a lot of the optimization comes down to well mindset, like you said, and and because it's, it's literally changing the way you do things, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, it's it, it is hard to stomach like the idea of productization. I think um, a good book worth reading is Built to Sell. I don't know if you've read that, but it's basically like it follows the story of an agency who do all this like random custom stuff. And then they kind of strip it back and and then they're able to hire like more uh, focused people because they start doing like only logo design or whatever eventually. And in the end, it's like, it's basically a productized logo design service. Um, you know, they stripped everything back and now they're making a ton more profit. Like, obviously mm-hmm. that's not going to appeal to everyone, but there are different levels of that, you know, where it's stripping away. You know, some people say yes to everything even like these crazy custom builds, they're going to take them months. They have to learn all this new stuff to do it. Whereas if you've got the right mindset, you just don't do those kind of projects. You refer those to someone else and you, you stay within your wheelhouse of stuff that you can do really well and actually productize. 
Mm-hmm. What was that book you said, Built to Sell? Yeah. It's I, it's I'm one of those. Put that in my reading list. In yeah, the nice. <laughs> it's one of those like fake story ones, though. Like I find really <laughs> strange to read, where it's like, oh yeah, and then they go and do this, and it, and then they do this and this, and it's like you know the whole thing's bullshit. Um, but it's like about the lesson behind it, whatever. Yeah, I, I really struggle with those kind of books, but the message is good. I think it's a good read for for agency owners, especially ones doing too much custom work. Yes. The custom work is so killer. And I've even worked with clients that are software products, but they do custom builds as a part of their service set. And it's, you only have so much developer time. Mm -hmm. And if you use it all on building out customized implementations of your app, you're you're losing out on a huge portion of the actual part of your business that will scale. Yeah. Because custom work does not scale. No. Uh, I would say if you're going to be in that space, though, you want to be charging for it. Like probably a lot more than you think, you know, I think that's a big, big problem with a lot of agencies is, is not charging enough. And I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy. The amount of people that come like that used to come to me and be like, Oh, you know, um, I want to build a mobile app, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, cool. Have you got like at least 50 grand, (laughs) you know, like for whatever. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, I was thinking more like three grand. And it's like, no, like maybe now with no code tools, you know, that's, that's a potentially, uh, you know, I, I know a guy who productized uh, mobile apps, f- but for a very specific industry, it was like for coaches and sort of um, membership type platforms. So, you know, the classic like marketing coach, they have like a course, they have a podcast, they have a blog, um, you know, and maybe a membership community. So he basically packaged that up that he built with no code tools uh, and sold that as a thing to coaches. Right. So there's got to be a lot of niches like that. I know for some Mm -hmm. reason, accountants go silly for apps. Um, This is mind blowing to me. Like I always, I I met this company that um, do custom apps for the obviously uh, made of building blocks. Um, What's the word when you, um, God damn it. It's not like off the shelf, but they, they, they slightly customize apps for accountants. And it blew my mind that accountants would even think that their clients want to use an app to communicate <laughs> with them. I was like, how, how are you selling them on this? Cause I'm not downloading my accountant's app. This is a dumb idea, but <laughs> the amount of, the amount of things I've seen where accountants seem to go nuts for apps. Anyway, it's just, mm. just my point that there's so many options. Like you could, you can productize into so many different ways and different services that it's worth mm-hmm. investigating. Definitely. I vote use the no code, but keep charging 50 K. <laughs> yeah there's that too uh i mean the the big thing with any of this too is like ongoing maintenance it'd be you know it's quite, if you can get them into some kind of retainer afterwards or like a lot of these no code platforms will have partner programs where you can resell that resell it so they still need to pay a monthly fee they just pay it to you and and you mark up you know and add put some value added services on there like you know, if they have want to change something small, they can message you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else before we sort of start wrapping this up? Is there anything else you'd like to cover? Um, I think that covers just about everything for me. I just really want agency owners to understand the potential of automation And then it doesn't have to be this big, scary, technical monster. Mm. Um, And it can really make a massive difference, both for yourself and for your entire team. Yeah, nice. Actually, one thing. Do do you have like a specific story you could share, like of an agency you've worked with and like their journey? Like obviously without any, you know, personal details or whatever, but like just to give people a bit of an idea of transformations that are possible. Um, so I think, honestly, in my own experience, like with building the agency that I'm building, I started out as a freelancer. So seven years worth of that worth of taking every client, no matter what they paid and like slowly stepping up um, and getting a little bit better about that stuff. And I always resisted 
the agency aspect. And I know a lot of other freelancers that feel the same way. The natural step up from freelancing is agency. But we've all worked with so many agencies that are so killer to work for Mm -hmm. that it's sort of this resistance type thing. And even... I think maybe it's hustle culture to just this constant, got to be working all the time, got to be doing your best hundred percent of the time, got to get 10 hours of sleep and work all the time and also eat nothing but fruits and vegetables and all this, (laughs) all that that happens. Um, I got sort of caught up in this, you know, I've got to be working nights and weekends and on vacation to have a successful business. And at some point I realized that that was this major block in starting an agency and really scaling to my fullest potential. And I was just like, screw this. I'm not going to, what if I just don't, what if I just close the laptop when I'm done with work? What if I just go to bed when I want to? And what if I just refuse to answer emails on the weekends and in the evenings and stuff? And of course I would want that for anybody working with me, as well. Um, and I realized like, I really just didn't have to. So that's kind of where the automated agency came to fruition. It was just this realization that it doesn't have to be as shitty as mm-hmm. it seems like it has to be. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I, that's what it's like, not sort of super similar to my story, but in a way, like I had a breaking point where I was just doing too much friggin' work all the time. And, mm-hmm. and it was through, you know, process and um, automating as much as I possibly could. You know, I, I went through a phase of just buying every bit of software I thought that could save me time. You know, <laughs> and I was spending a shitload of money, but it was totally worth it. Like I, I've canceled a lot of that now and sort of, it's like the pendulum swing, right? You know, I was like over <laughs> yeah. on the left, like automating nothing and then like trying to automate everything and then sort of brought it back to a nice, nice happy little medium um, where I wasn't so overworked. Um, I think that's, you know, it is a good message there that you like, you don't have to check emails on weekends. A lot of people do. You don't like, you know, you don't have to take client phone calls whenever they call you. You can just leave it ring out. If you were doing something important at the moment, call them back later. That's allowed. <laughs> yeah. It's your business. So build, build something you want to work for. Yeah. 100%. And yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm on vacation next week and it will be, one of the first vacations in a long time where I'm just not, not touching it. Mm. Not at all. Like I worked through like holidays and stuff before and worked on vacations in the past. It's like, what are you, what was I doing? hundred percent. That's a whole other topic for, for another podcast, I think. So (laughs) (laughs) let's, uh, before we finish, finish up, where can people go to find out more about you and what you're doing? Sure. So my agency is at theautomated.agency. So that is my website where you can see what the automated agency is working on and how to get involved with that. And then I'm on Twitter and that's pretty much it. So, yeah. Uh, I will link up your Twitter in the show notes at agencyhighway.com slash one three six, which is how we connected. I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet of yours talking about automating agency stuff. And I was like, got to get her on the show. <laughs> that might've been it. Yeah, now that I think about it. I, I do love Twitter. So it, for many reasons. Um, mm. Yeah. All right. Olivia, thank you so much for joining me. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Love talking automation, love talking shit about apps. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I could I could do that all day. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Olivia. Guys, if you've enjoyed this, please head over to wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more, and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.